This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Joined on the podcast today by former Celtic, Dundee United, Motherwell, Mana, a few other clubs and current Notts County player Jim O'Brien. Jim, thanks for joining me. No, no problem. I want to start, Jim. You came through at Celtic in a, a really good era for the club. What was it like coming through that youth system when you had the likes of Tommy Burns as a coach and then fellow youth players like Simon Ferry? Ah, it was brilliant, to be fair. It was uh, a really back best days of my life to be fair in that, in that sense it was just going in and playing for a club that you love and getting paid for it and just such a laugh every day and then obviously the education you got as well um, I thought like the likes of Tommy um, he was sensational so I think in that regard to Tommy I think he he shaped a lot of lads and, and I think a lot of lads owe, owe a career to Tommy What was it like in and around the place because you had big characters like Chris Sutton, John Hartz and Alan Thompson just around at that time when you were there? Aye, I mean, it was... You you, you got quite awestruck by them. Um, I mean, we used to get changed at Barrafield and stuff but the first team were up at Celtic Park and even just being in, in and around them every day, uh, cleaning the boots and doing the kit and, and stuff like that, it was, it was, it was pretty good. Um... Uh, an eye opener, and you got to see you got to sort of see them as people as well, and, and not just the players that you you watched on a Saturday, you know. So, uh, any interaction with them was, was brilliant. But um, you know, you had to, um, you, you like, like I say, you're a bit awestruck by them um, at the same time. Did you ever get set up for a fall with them? Because I know Simon's talked with like Paul McGowan and stuff about they get told to trash like the physio changing room and. Uh, Alan Thompson paid the money to do that. Did Sutton or Thompson ever try any of that stuff with you? No, I mean, I'm I'm quite loud as a person and stuff. But when it when it came to that, I was never one of the loudest when we were younger. Um, maybe took me a bit a bit longer to come come out my shell than others. But you just had mental stuff going on all the time. Um, Michael Gardine, he was just every day just on. It was like it was like a show every day. And, um, I think from Mitchie's point of view, it maybe it maybe held them back in the end a little bit, but um, I just just constant every day, and personally never never get asked to, to do anything like that. So I, I just tried to keep my head down. What's the most mental thing you've ever seen Gardine do? Um, oh, loads of stuff, a lot of stuff that can be said, but <laughs> um, I think one one that sticks it was uh, <laughs> when the. I think the first team were going to training and uh, they were leaving the stadium and um, I think Chris Sutton was the last one out and, and, and Midge, uh, Midge said, see you later, Sutty. And, and he came back and went, what? And he said, see you later, Sutty. And he just walked up to him and grabbed him by the throat and put him up against the wall and just <laughs> said, it's Mr Sutton to you. 
mad things like that. But obviously, didn't mean anything by it. Do you know what I mean? He was just trying to show show Midge where the line was. But like I've seen Midge, I've seen Midge doing all sorts, man. Just just constantly on and like uh, naked pull ups and um, just just the most random stuff at the most random time. He would always do just to sort of break the ice. But for me. He was in like a year before me, so walking into that dressing room with, with, with him um, and there, and there's an all lad, Gary Fraser, at the same time, and the two of them were just, it was quite uh, quite intimidating dressing room to be in. I want to ask you about Sai Ferry, because we know him for open goal, they're doing really well with that. What was he like as a player at the youth team? Because for a lot of the time, they thought he could have made a first team breakthrough before his injuries. Sai so was a great player, really fit lad as well. Um, uh, just just a just a, a nice a good lad to they got on with everybody and again you know a boy for Dundee same as Mitch sort of a bit mad a bit outgoing um, but as a player I he, he's an excellent player good on the ball box to box some engine on him and I think uh, I think injury sort of played its part in, in him uh, sort of coming to an end at, at, at the higher level you know. Obviously, he's still playing, but no, I got on the side really well. Um, we've actually we've got a for the youth team days. We've got a, a WhatsApp group, so we're still keeping contact and stuff. Um, we are the boys that were in sort of running about the youth team. See, in terms of yourself coming through, what was it like when you went up to train with the first team? Were you nervous about it, or was it something you relished? Shaking myself. <laughs> you had to be on it all the time. Just the standards were so high. Um, it wasn't until uh, I never got rid of it the first year until like Gordon Stratton came in. Um, and just you, you had to be at it every single day, and, and he would play play wee games like uh, three touch, two touch, one touch. So like you'd have maybe four minutes at three touch, four at two, and then four one touch, and like eighteen, nineteen. You're struggling, do you know what I mean? Um, you've got these guys playing playing balls and they see pictures and it was just it was really tough. Um, but I suppose that's sort of that's what it's sort of meant to do. It was make you make you better and um, and you guys constantly on you on your case and that as well and it, it kept the standard high. Um, but I it definitely made made you better. But I like I said, you had to be on it every day because because nobody would let you be uh, be slacking. What was Strachan like as a coach and a person? Because he's quite a funny guy from the outside looking in. Aye, I mean, he could, he could put you down um, with one word. Um, I mean, I remember I went to go, I went to see him. Um, just, I don't know, I must have had some balls that day and I just went to see him to see like, what was happening. Maybe I could go and loan or um, pop my head in the office and he was with the other coaches and I just said... Um, Gaffer can have a quick word and he just looked up and he went velocity <laughs> and he just killed me straight away like all the you know the build up that I've probably went through in the, in, in the dressing room just to say to myself build myself up to say I'm going to go and see him I'm going to just, just ask him and you know so intimidating and then he just, he just killed me straight, straight away so we went in and then he took me in and we had a chat and whatever but as a coach um yeah, one of the best I've worked with um, in terms of like playing in tight areas and stuff like that, and um, his knowledge of the game 
was ridiculous. Um, but aye, uh, you could put you down with one word. In terms of yourself at the club, the club goes through a wee bit of an injury crisis. You're normally obviously known for playing the wings or, or up top, but you get asked to fill in at right back and you get a chance to make your debut against Gretna. What was that whole week leading up to that like? I, well, I, I didn't really see myself as um, getting getting my chance that day. I think that day um, it just happened that I was on the bench and I think Paul Hartley went into right back and then I think he got injured or somebody else got injured. So it was just a case of I was the only other player um, to sort of throw on. Uh, I think Gordon Stratton had tried me there in a reserve game. I played there in a reserve game like the week before or two weeks before. So he obviously had it in his head, but um, I, that was a bit mad, that, that period where there was a, a bit of an injury crisis. But again, made my debut and... Um, it was, all, it was nice to do and I can say I've done it so um, the chances were few and far between sort of after that but no um, it was still it was still a good uh, a good thing to, to achieve and, and we got the win that day as well so I always say I came on at 1-0 down and we won 2-1 so must have done something right Well that's the thing I was going to say that in terms of games to make your debut and you come on you're getting beat off of Gretna 10 minutes to go and then Chris Killen and Scott McDonald get the goals. What was that comeback like, actually being involved on the park? Aye, it was good. I mean, it was a, it was a bit of a whirlwind. You just sort of, you go on and just try and do do your best and no make an arse it, really. Um, but I, do, I mean, I don't recall loads from the game. Um, I only recall, I think I recall taking a throw in for the and end up, I think it might have been for the second goal and, uh, Kipper flicked it on and, and it ends up in the box and Scotty scores. But uh, looking back, I was taking the throw in on like, the halfway line and Scotty scored and peeled away the other side and I ended up being the first one to him. So I don't know what's happened there. Just a pure adrenaline um, has got me there. I was probably just delighted for the win bonus, to be honest. <laughs> Who were the big characters in that team? Because obviously like Gary Caldwell, Scott Brown, McGeady was still there. Killen's known as being a bit of a madman, according to Sai Ferry as well. Aye, well, to be fair, um, like, we, when we were younger, like, we used to look at, like, we were close, we, we were all uh, close in a youth team, but then obviously Aidan got pushed up for, uh, earlier than everybody else and stuff, and he was in doing it, and, and everybody, like, in my youth team, sort of, maybe without saying it, but looked up to him. The fact that he used to just, get changed in the morning and come and sit with us or stuff like that. So when you had the Aiden there doing it, that was the sort of that was the benchmark and, and the standards he was setting as well. It was always going to be tough to sort of get in and, and uh, be running about him. So uh, I think to that point of view it was um that like I say, that was a benchmark where, where you tried to aim and um so big characters that was was him and Big Charlie as well. Big Charlie's a funny guy. Um, Tommy Gravison, he was ridiculously. He was just on another level, that guy. Had so much energy, it was unreal. Um, I'd say Tommy was, was one of the funniest. You get a laugh at him every day, but without him trying to be funny, I think, at most times. What was your best memories of Gravison in terms of the way he behaved? Because we all know the stories of him walking in with his pool queue every day, buzzing for a game of pool. Aye, he didn't like he just he just 
wanted to have fun. He was like a big kid playing at, playing at school, and um, he's so strong as well and uh, strong minded and that. So like any time like uh, he would have like if he thought it was a free kick, it was a free kick, you know, in training and stuff, and he would just grab the ball until the assistant manager said, "All right, it's a free kick." You know, it was one of them. He's like, "No, no, it's a free kick. It's a free kick." He just stopped the whole training session. Um, you weren't allowed to shout at him if he was hitting a shot. <laughs> he just turned around and said, "Don't shout when I'm shooting." It's like, <laughs> I'm just shouting for the ball. Um, so, but yeah, strange character, but a funny guy. Just like randomly come in and like, like you say, there was a pool table at Celtic Park at, at that time, and he used to sit in there after lunch and have a couple of games, and he would just come in and start grappling with you. Somebody at random start grappling, just get you a big bear hug, and if you fought it, you were never getting it, and it, you'd just take it too far, so far that it, it became funny. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I used to be fair with Tommy. I used to love the away trips when we went to the hotel and stuff, and sitting at dinner, and he would just tell us some stories. Feel like when he was at Real Madrid and that, and um, he used to say, "Oh, he should have never have been at Real Madrid and sitting with these guys." And, um, so that was good. I used to, used to love a story at, at dinner time. In terms of on the training field and stuff, would they ever just get up to sheer mayhem, like just totally randomly? Well, we, first he was, he was a top player, do you know what I mean? Um, he was put himself down and stuff like that, but Real Madrid and that, but he was a top player. Um, but like I said, just more like, more like some of shouts, don't shout when I'm shooting, and he would, if he scored a goal in training, he would he would peel away just for a laugh and uh, just just stuff like that. He was just just a bit mental, do you know what I mean? Just a sort of different type of character. Um, but we get a laugh from every single day. You mentioned the fact that during your time at Celtic, you you'd made that appearance, but you still wanted to start playing regular. How did the loan move to Dunfermline come about? Um, I think it was I'd played for Ireland under. 17s or 19s it was 19s and I think the manager there knew Stephen Kenny so I think they've, they'd had a chat about it and stuff and obviously Stephen Kenny went in as the confirmation manager and it just sort of came about for there I mean it was a bit mad because I went in for training got my stuff on and Kenny McDowell came in just says um, come here I want to speak to you went out and he said, Dunfermline might take you on loan. And it was basically, I was going, do you know what I mean? Not that I didn't want to go, but it was basically, you're going to Dunfermline on loan. And I was like, all right, uh, drive up there this afternoon um, or drive, go, go there for training tomorrow. So I went into training on Saturday and then played against Rangers on the Sunday and we uh, we put them at the cup. So that was sort of baptism of fire as well. It, was, it all happened really, really fast, but... Aye, that was that was a different experience in itself. In terms of going to Dunfermline, big characters in that dressing room as well. You obviously had Stevie Crawford, Saul Bamber was there at the time as well. Tam McManus, I think, was even there. What was it like being in a dressing room with kind of senior pros? Well, it was weird because you're obviously coming to Celtic and stuff and everything's sort of put on a plate for you and that. And, uh, you know, your lunches are top-notch and you're... you're uh, you're at Barrafield or you're at Celtic Park getting changed and the facilities are brilliant. Then I go, I go to Dunfermline, met at the training room on the Saturday morning, you go in, it's like a it's like a school walker room and stuff like that. And, and obviously the food's not as great, the training pitches are brilliant, but 
In terms of the experience we had as well, Jim Hamilton, Mark Burchill, like you say, Stevie Crawford, Tam McManus, Scott Wilson, all these guys had been there and done it like proper season pros and it wasn't until I got a little bit older I, I realised that, you know, these were good players. Um, and the, I, so, so to come and say Celtic to see the other side um, was was a, a real eye-opener. But to be fair, at that time, being 18 and only made probably one or two appearances in the first team, it was a bit... Uh, I was a bit lucky to actually get a, a loan move to the to the Scottish Premier League. In terms of that time at Dunfermline, it was disappointing in the sense that the club get relegated that season, but they get to the Scottish Cup final. You played a, a big role in that. How gutted were you when it turned out you were not allowed to play in the final? Aye, that was a bit mad. I um, was really looking forward to it. And, uh, I remember... Um, I remember a journalist had phoned me and he, he said, look, I can get a hold of the Scottish Cup and we'll bring it to your mum and dad's house and we'll do an interview with you and stuff and all the rest of it. And uh, that was like a big thing for me at that time. You know, 18, I'd never never really had journalists ringing me or anything like that. Um, so, like, I was like, aye, aye, whatever, that'd be good, whatever. Um, forward to and I remember sitting at dinner and I had a, I had a phone call and I picked, I don't know the number, I picked it up and it was Gordon Stratton. But never, I'd never really had loads of interaction with him before that and then he'd phoned, obviously he's phoning me and I was just buzzing the fact that he'd phoned me himself. He was just saying, like, I'd love you to play um, but, you know, I'd be stupid to let you play, especially if you want to come back here next season and obviously try and make an impact and whatever. So just the fact that he... He called me himself. I was, I was, uh, I was buzzing, and I never really thought anything of it until the cup final day came, and I and I went with the, I went with the Dunfermline lads, um, went along with them, and obviously Celtic won one 0 but it was a, t- it was a tight game, and it's like, again maybe, you know, looking back, you, you could have done something that sort of made a difference in the game, you know, if it was that tight. But it was a good cup run and it was I really enjoyed my time at Dunfermline. I, I done a lot of growing up there. See in terms of that final, how is it for you? Because obviously you're a Celtic fan, you're technically a Celtic player, but you're on loan at Dunfermline. See when you're watching the final, what how are you feeling that day? Are you uh, when how do you handle that? I well it never it never really like I say, it never really hit me. Missing it on the final never really hit me until I was sitting at hand and watching the game. Um and then obviously I was doing it. I was doing it the tunnel um, after the game had finished, just to like obviously see the lads and whatever. And then Aiden had said to me, "Like come in the dressing room," and I was like, "Nah," because I never really felt like a first team player at Celtic. And he was like, "Come in, like you're a Celtic player, come in this." And uh, I thought that was a nice touch, and I probably should have done looking back. So obviously I was a Celtic, I'm a Celtic fan and whatever. So. Um, I probably should have went in but I never and I just, it just didn't feel right so um, I sort of hit home when I was watching the game it was a bit difficult but it was just one of those things I wasn't, I wasn't too fussed at the time because I knew I was going back and I wanted to play in the first team at Celtic so um, it didn't, it didn't uh, get to me too much You mentioned you did a lot of growing up at, at Dunfermline what was Stephen Kenny like? Because obviously he's set to become the Ireland manager in the next year or so Ah, the thing about Stephen was like um, when you're a young player, you don't really look much at 
at the coaching and stuff. But as a as a motivator, he was brilliant because he was a he was a quite uh, withdrawn character. And it was like if he talks to you, then you listen, sort of thing, because he didn't do a lot of talking. But on a match day, we'd go into like the room next door, the dressing room and stuff, and he would just the volume would just start to gradually get higher, and he would get you, he would get you up for the game. Um, so I, I, um, I, I owe him a lot as well for sort of taking taking a chance on me as well, and and um, giving me a lot of game time when I went to them filming. Um, but as a, as a guy, I really nice gentleman and. Um, chilled, pretty chilled. Um, but then when the match day came, the intensity went right up. See, when you went back to Celtic, did you think there was a chance for you that summer to break into the team, or was it always another loan spell in your mind? I, I was. Um, I wanted to have a good crack at it, um, and I think like when I went back, I was properly with the first team then, like training every day. I remember Gary Pendry had to like stop me coming to ask them in the morning because I used to just go and ask him every morning am I training the use or with the with the reserves and and he got to say he says look you're training with us now until I tell you otherwise so just little things like that was was a good thing um, being with them every day it made you better and it, but it just came a point where I was travelling all the time the away games. You were training all week, and even if you were doing well and you were only getting in the squads, it was it was a bit sort of demoralising. And you had like Tommy and stuff, like try to keep keep your hopes up, saying like you're doing really well, and the gaffer's noticed, and you get your chance, your chance is coming. And um, I so like for that point of view, when the chance didn't really come, it was a bit um, it was a bit demoralising. But there just comes a stage where reserve footballs, no, you're not really getting much out of it anymore, so. You sort of just make make that move, but I'd went to see them. I'd went to see Stratton before. I think just when the transfer window opened in the January, and then uh, he said I wasn't going anywhere. He's like, "No, you're not going anywhere. Um, you're doing well, whatever." And then I think last minute, the Celtic signed Barry Robson, and I went the other way as a sort of sweetener for Dundee United. So it was just a case of, "Aye, okay, let's get that done." And uh, Hopefully get some game time up there. You go to Dundee United on loan. The manager at that time's Craig Levine. What's he like? Because obviously he's managed Scotland. He recently managed Hearts, and when he was at Hearts the last time there, he was known as a bit of a wind-up merchant. Is he a dead serious guy, or can he have a laugh as well? No, well, he could. He could have a laugh. He was. He was good at helping you settle in and stuff. But um, I was very stern and stuff, especially when it came to keeping match days and stuff like that. Um, I never really seen that side of him, but um, just you could you could sort of see it in him, you know. Um, but I, to be fair, in fairness to, to Dundee United, but if you've got any Dundee United listener, I've had a bit of a stinker there. Um, I think maybe just a, I don't know. I was too sure of myself going into that dressing room. Um, obviously, I'd had my loan spell. I was coming for Celtic. Um, I didn't feel like as if I was a kid anymore, but I still had loads to learn. Um, and I, as a club as well, Dundee United was, was was a bit of a step up for them filming as well. So I think I maybe uh, underestimated uh, the, the club and uh, and also the players that we had at that time as well. Just a bit a bit naive. But um, I, again, I, I loved my time at Dundee United, and I was uh, I was probably going to go back here as well. 
in terms of so obviously you've talked about the the loan spell. See, because you had played first team with Dunfermline and then a wee bit at Dundee United, had you made your mind up when you went back that summer that you had to leave Celtic just to to start playing games regular? Well, um, when I was at Dundee United, I knew I wasn't doing amazing, um, but I was I was still training really well and I was working hard, um, and I think Craig Levine seen something in me. So like, I think uh, I'm sure Houston, Peter Houston, um, pulled me and said, "Look, next season, whatever, the gaffer's keeping money in his budget to sign you. So obviously you need to go back to Celtic and whatever, but." Um, uh, but we want to sign you next season, and that was great for me. I, I sort of felt I had a point to prove because I knew I hadn't done amazing. And then uh, thinking the running, the Levine had pulled me because um, United were playing Celtic at Celtic Park, and he said to me, "Look, um, I'm planning on playing you at Celtic Park on I think it was like a Wednesday night. He said, I'm planning on playing you. Have you any problems?" Because there was nothing in the agreement written that said that I couldn't play. It was just sort of, you know, like an unwritten uh, agreement that players don't really play against um, against a parent club. But just again, naive, and I just wanted to play against the best players and do well, and uh, and sort of show the manager uh, that I could play at that level. And again, naive, bit stupid. Um, I think we we drew one each or nil nil. Celtic Park that night and I don't think they were too happy so I sort of that, I, I think that sort of spelt the end for me um, at Celtic that night as well but for me the point the point before that when I said to Craig Wayne just play me I, I sort of knew I was wanting to leave anyway just to sort of get first team football and I think maybe in my head I, I didn't want to lose my place in the team at Dundee United either so I wanted to play as many games as I could and I think it was just a bit, maybe a bit naive in that sense. In terms of leaving Celtic, did you have quite a few options because of the fact you were a free agent? Well, like I say, I was. Um, I think clubs had to pay compensation, um, but I went back. I'd went back for pre-season at Celtic, and then I was, I was back with the reserves. I was back with Willie McStay, so I sort of knew. That that was it then, because I wasn't going. I wasn't going to, even going to be training with the first team, so I knew they sort of wanted rid, um, and I think they had to offer me a contract, or they didn't get any compensation, and it had to be at least what you were on. Um, and I think they offered me like a hundred pound more than what I was on, so it was pretty clear that they didn't want to keep me um, training with the reserve during my pre-season. Me and Tommy Carter. <laughs> <the reserve. laughs> um, and ah, it was just a case of right, what, what, what's it there? And I was waiting on Dundee United, and then Strachan pulled me in before training one day, and he says, "Look, it's time for you to go and play and make a name for yourself somewhere else and whatever." And he said, "Mark McGee's been on the phone, and um, he wants you to go in and train." So then I went went to Motherwell again, very fortunate to to get a, a Scottish Premier League club for the third season in a row it was, I was looking back and like, realise how lucky you were when you see other lads when they get in that opportunity um, so I went down to train with Motherwell and, and I remember speaking to Houston and he said he didn't he didn't think that you know they were allowed to bring me in to train and then I, I enjoyed my time at Motherwell training there and um, 
it just made sense to sign there. It was a no-brainer. You go into Mullerwell, there's a fair few senior pros in there. You've got Paul Quinn, Stevie Hamill, Stephen Cragen, Stephen Hughes and, and Bob Malcolm was there as well at that time. What was that dressing room like to go into? I, to be fair, it was class. I always remember Stevie, like, good pals with Stevie. And, and, uh, I remember him vividly saying to me one day, what's happening? Are you coming in? I said, oh, no, there's no offering no a contract or whatever. He said to me, oh, it'd be, it'd be really good to have you. And I was like, for a young guy in that, I was thinking, fucking hell, that's, that's a seasoned pro saying that to me. Like, he must, the lads must like me in that. And, um, so I, like, always try to make that impact just when you go somewhere new in that as well um, Stevie McGarry another one he was just a laugh a minute just a bit of a madman him and Paul Quinn used to have a nice back and forth and just always messing with each other and that um, uh, like Bob funny guy just chilled out didn't, didn't give a fuck but what a player <laughs> as well and uh, I say as well Stevie Hughes like, enjoyed playing with Stevie he was a top player man John Sutton was there at the time as well, and Keith Lasley, another one. What was Big John Sutton like, obviously, considering you knew his brother? A boring big bastard. <laughs> I hope he listens to your podcast. Fucking <laughs> hell. His voice would go right through me. But great guy. He used to just used to just talk about cricket and all that all the time. But, um, aye, he's, big he's, a, he's a great lad. Um, never, I don't think, I don't know, I don't think people really mentioned his brother. I don't think he liked it that much. One of them, like, want to speak to somebody as their own person, though, that they're doing that all the time. And, um, and no, I got on well with Sutty. Nice guy. And he, he, he done well for us as well. He's another one like myself. He's jumped about clubs and all that over his career. And, um, he's done well for somebody with, with, with two left feet, so fair play to him. <laughs> What's Mark McGee like? I recently spoke to Derek Young, and he said he, he wasn't, he, let's just say, he wasn't he Mark McGee's biggest fan. What was it like for you? He was, he was brilliant for me. Um, he helped me settle in. Um, and to be fair, like he, I remember he left me at a squad and he'd done an interview in the paper and he said I was still doing things in the game that I was doing when I was 14. And I was like, fuck me, I better get my finger out or I'm going to disappear sort of thing. Um, so no, I, I never had a great start at Motherwell. It took me to like, Christmas time to settle in and... Um, and then get in the team. So I think like he sort of simplified my game. Um, but my, as a guy, like he was, he was pretty chilled because he had he had Leachy was in them. So Leachy was more like a Rottweiler who would get sort of worked up and um, and, and have a go at people in that. Because um, obviously Leachy, Leachy, mother was his club, so he would he was the one that would always have a go at people in that. But I. Mark McGee is a good coach, good manager, and he's a good man manager. He knew how to deal with people and different characters and that as well. I've got to ask you about a youth player that was coming through at that time, the one and only Paul Slane. What's your experience of Slaney? Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Just this just kid that just loved people. Um, just this wee spotty guy, man. He just came in and, like, you know when like, football banter is just like proper acid, like you know what I mean? It's sink or swim sort of in, in a dressing room, and the lads had a pop it and they'd just agree with them, like in terms of like fucking else, look at your face and 
he's like, I know, it's really bad and that. And just the way that he would say it, you would, it would just make you laugh. Um, an infectious character. And to be fair, he's worked his, he's worked his ticket well on Open Goal to say he was only going on for one podcast. But uh, he's, a, he's an entertainer. It just... Um, just wasn't it with me on on the on the football park. They could, but um, my great wee guy, um, just he, he was a, he was a good player as well, like a right good player. In terms of him as a player, how would you describe him as a player? I know Charlie McGrew said he was a bit like James Milner that pissed him off. How would you describe him? <laughs> um, no, Flaney was exciting. It was like just getting the ball one v ones. I think it was my second season when he, he broke into the first team and that he got his chance and stuff and um I took it well and uh, it was just, just an exciting new guy. It was like you won the you only scared giving the ball, just giving the ball. If he makes a mistake, fuck it, it doesn't matter. He'll he'll get it again and he'll make something happen and I think um I I'd like to see him do a lot more 'cause he's, he's definitely he definitely has lots of talent. You mentioned Mark McGee was a good manager for you. Were you gutted when he left? Aye, I was a wee bit, but um, the the club at Motherwell, a lot of the a lot of the players, um, we were all quite close in that. Um, and I think I'm sure we got invited to a, I think it was Leachy's Missy's fortieth or something like that, and a few years went with Missy's at the time and stuff. And uh, I remember Mark McGee. Sort of saying he was getting the Aberdeen job, or he was going to Aberdeen. I don't know if he just got the job or that. And I remember it was sort of he was dropping hints, but he wasn't really saying much. So around about that time, and I was like, right, okay. And then the guy that came in, Jim Gannon, he was a fucking wilder. So <laughs> I would, I would have, I'd have went anywhere just to get away from him. So um, I, I almost went to Aberdeen. So that was that was one thing. My contract was coming up and. Um, and I had a meeting with Mark in the January, and he wanted to take me to Aberdeen. So that was all set up. I'd been up, I'd been up looking at houses and stuff, um, on some time off, uh, you know, in preparation for the summer. And then no long before the season ended, he got the sack and Craig Brown came in. So, um, I that was a that was a, a, a swift turnaround for me as well. What was what made Garen such a, a, a lunatic? Because the amount of players that have described him has just been totally, totally away with the fairies. What was he like from your point of view? It was just like he loved young young players, which was which was great. Bringing he just sort of fucked everybody else off, and he upset like he would upset like the wee woman in the office and stuff like that. He'd, like been at the club for I don't know 30, 40 years, and I think. She ended up crying one day because he was just—he was just a bit, just a bit no a nice guy, and it was just his, I don't know—he was a bit arrogant for somebody who'd never really done a lot in the game. I mean, I remember a story we heard when when he when he first came in, somebody knew him and wait, you see this guy, whatever. Um, like they play, I think Stockport are playing Wickham in the uh, the playoffs. And uh, it was on. Obviously, it was on Sky and stuff like that. So I think uh, Sky wanted to do an interview with him, and he was t- refusing to do the interview because Sky wouldn't come out and fix his dish. 
It's like, <laughs> fuck me, like, do you know what I mean? Little things like that, so petty, and then I'm sure he was having a bit an argument, I'd heard that he was having an argument with Paul Lambert on the touchline, touch and he was saying, like, stuff like, uh, yeah, how many promotions have you got from the from the League 2 or whatever, and Paul Lambert's turned around going, I've won the Champions League, mate. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, he was just his arrogance and stuff, and... Um, I mean, to be fair, for a long time, I, I, I did not like him at all, but I mean, I'm, I'm over it now. So um, I actually seen him a few months ago when we played against Stockport. He's back at Stockport now. So, but that was, um, I remember the place going wild when the, the, day, the day he had left. That was, uh, that was a good day, Motherwell. He leaves and Craig Brown comes in. I've had Craig in the podcast recently and what a guest he was. He just he wanted to talk all day about football. What was he like and what was Archie Knox like? Was he still as fierce as, as, as ever? Two of them are brilliant. I mean, I was like 21 at the time. And just, just the two of them, it was, it was like having two managers sort of thing. Like, um, and obviously, obviously we knew who they were straight away. They came in. Um, but Craig Brown's man management was tremendous. I mean, we had a meeting about like, Making subs, just pulled us in one day. I think it was just after showing the clips of the last game we'd played, and he's just saying stuff like, "Well, why would why would I make a sub?" So I was like, "Well, tactical, right? Okay, right. Somebody might be tired." And he's like, "What's the other reason?" And we were all looking at each other. And, I don't know. And he goes, "So a lad can get his bonus because you get more more bonus money if you get on." And it was like he just got he just got the lads sort of playing for each other and. Um, just little things like you could have an average game I mean you know when you've had a good game or a bad game or indifferent and you could have had an, an alright game and you'd after it and it'd make you feel as if you'd, you you have messy do you know what I mean it was just uh, it just had that way about him um, what a manager that you, you really wanted to play for um, and Archie was Archie was just old school in terms of um, like he went 2-0 down and then he started popping the ball about and he brought the game back and the 2-H he'd be, he'd be going fucking mental saying it's the easiest thing in the world to to play when you're 2-0 down and stuff like that where are you now sort of old school um, was up to but aye great great double act to be fair I've got to ask and you that, to be fair in, in, in that sense they're, they're the ones that made me stay because I was I was wanting to go to Aberdeen I was like I was getting set to, to go to Aberdeen in the summer and uh, in the January was it and and then when they came in, it was like, no, I want to stay now. So I stayed till, till the summer. I've got to ask you about the game. Motherwell 6, Hib 6, Jukovic getting the goal. What was what was that game like to be involved in? Because it's a classic game that I don't think anybody will ever forget. Ah, it's a bit mad. It, it pops up every year as well. Like, when about the time that the game was played, it always pops up on like a Facebook memory on like the... SPL showing it or, or, or something like that. Um, it, was a, it was a bit of a bit of surreal. We were shocking that first half. Um, I think we were like 4-1 down after half an hour or something like that. People leaving and um, I, we were shocking. It felt like we'd won it because we'd come back and we'd scored to make it 6 each. But, and then Andy missed a penalty at 6-5. Aye, we a, a strange game, a strange game, and but it was like the last home game of the season, I think it was. So 
it was uh, just a strange feeling about it. Um, but again, like I say, it felt like a win after Dukes has scored that world. In terms of your time at Motherwell, another player I want to ask you about, Stephen Cragen. He's a he's a pundit with BT Sports. What's Stephen Cragen like? Because he's a sort of character that I, I just I'm interested to know what he was like when he was a player. And he was the captain, club captain, and he would—he was the one that would mainly always speak. Thing about that, um, thing about that dressing room was like there was there was loads of experienced pros and stuff, but he was probably the one that done all the talking in the dressing room. And the thing about the, the thing about Craig's that always sticks out is he knew his capabilities, but he would just, so he would just stick to that and do what he was good at and. Um, Obviously, it hadn't been a, an international as well. Um, it, it was always good to have guys like that in your, in your squad. But just just the stereotypical season pro, um, shit gear, um, <laughs> not a lot of banter about him, but lovely guy. Just what you see is what you get on the telly, really. John Ruddy was on loan in that second season at Motherwell. Was he a big character or was he just quite shy because he was quite young coming for Everton? Who's that? Sorry, uh, John Ruddy. Oh, that's, uh, he done really well when he came in. It's obviously when like young, younger younger players come in, older lads are sort of looking at them and and, and sort of judging within a first couple of training sessions. But I think after a couple of sessions, like everybody was sort of thinking, "This is like this this guy's good, man," and he done really well for us. Um, well, he went on to play for England, so. Um, there's no point in me telling you he's a, he's a good goalkeeper so um, aye but nice nice fella Rudds and he, he done really well for us at the time he kept us in a lot of games and um, things went on to have a great career You were flying that last season at Motherwell and you had interest in you you also did get into the, the PFA Scotland team of the year why did you choose to join Barnsley? Um, I thought about staying I thought about staying. They offered Motherwell offered me a good deal to stay. Um, I can't remember if it was a year or two, I maybe two years to stay. But like I was just speaking to lads in the dressing room that I, that I trusted in that. They said you've got to go to the championship. Do you know what I mean? You've got to go. Um, so it was it was it was nothing really to do about money at the time. Um, I don't think I went on to much more than what Motherwell had offered me anyway. So. And I really, really loved the club, but just speaking to lads that had played the game and um, that, I, that I trusted and stuff, they, they would just made it sound like an opportunity I couldn't turn down because of the championship, and a lot of players don't actually get that opportunity. Um, and then once I went, once I went down to, to meet uh, Mark Robbins at Barnsley, then uh, my mind was made up, really. Once I seen the stadium and the setup and the training ground stuff, it was uh, uh, it was it was, an, it was a really easy decision, and it's to be fair, it changed my life because my my son's from here, so um, that's it, it, was, it was the best decision I ever made. In terms of going to Barnsley, what's the championship like to play in? I it took me a while to get up to speed. It was just constant. Um, again, similar to my time at Motherwell, it took me to when about Christmas time to start getting. In the team and getting a run, um, but I it was uh, it was tough. It was run about uh, the Christmas games, 
when it was Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. But you it was like four games in nine, ten days or something like that. And it was just fucking mental. My body was in bits. Um, I don't want to get help that I was probably going out every Saturday and Tuesday because I didn't really know anybody. So as a young guy, looking back, I probably shouldn't have done that. But uh, it was just, just being a young guy in a new, a new place, a new dressing room and um, just trying to find your feet, really. But uh, it, it was definitely an eye-opener. A lot of people forget he was at Barnsley with you. What was Gary O'Connor like? Big character. Ah, he was a madman, big Jack and Ori. I loved the story, and you never knew it was a lie, but the truth. The guys that was that was anything then, but guys came in and it was like a sort of second chance for him because he he had a lot of stuff going on off the park and whatever. But aye, guys was guys was funny, man. Um, he just tell stories and that about about Russia and stuff, like just to keep us going. Um, well, he said telling us about the money and the money was mental and stuff like that. But like I said. In terms of your managers down there, you had quite a few. You had Mark Robbins, Keith Hill, David Flitcroft and Danny Wilson. What were they like as managers and what one was your favourite? Um, well, Mark Robbins was, he gave me a chance and he took me to England. Um, similar to uh, Stephen Kenny in, in, in the sort of, he was a quiet guy. Um, you'd sort of see the Man, Man United in him, and obviously he, he had a bit of class about him, and um, very very quiet, but a good coach. Um, again, you don't really think about these things till you get older. Do you know what I mean? About dealing with, with different different sort of people and how managers going to um, deal with situations. But he he was one that done really well for me, and I was disappointed when he'd left. At the end of, end of my first season, he, he left. I think he fell out to the board or something about money. Um, then Hilly came in. Um, Hilly was good. I think um, I think he sort of underestimated the jump between League One and, and the champ because he came for League One at uh, Rochdale. I think he sort of underestimated because he'd fucked a few of his off and it was a case of, right, I, don't, I think I'm going to be leaving soon. And then... We never had the best of starts, and then he brought a lot, a few of the lads who'd been there from the, the year before back in, and, and then we started to do all right. Um, you know, unfortunately for Hilly, he lost his job, and, and Flickers took over. Flickers was his assistant. Um, like Flickers, Flickers was a guy who he wanted to play for. He made it. He's a good man manager, um, so he, he brought that. He wanted to play for him. He wanted to run through a big wall for him. And um, to be fair, we went a man's run after uh, after Christmas that year, and um, we uh, stayed up on the last day. That was a bit mad as well, a little bit surreal at the six each game. And we stayed up on the last day. That was that was probably one of my best days in football from what we achieved for, for the budget we had in the championship at that time. Um, and then Danny Wilson came in and. Then he got on with my pod. He thought he was a bit of a cowboy. To say that, to say that the clubs he'd worked at, um, he didn't really do much. Um, didn't do a lot of coaching. Just used to watch 11 v 11s. Never really made points. Um, the messages were a bit simple, but too simple, and wouldn't explain things. Um, and I think he knew if we went down that season that 
he would still keep the job and there was no pressure on him and stuff. So I think that sort of seeped through to the players and that. So um, no, I wouldn't have said I enjoyed working with Danny. What was it like playing at Oakwell? Because Barnsley, when they're doing decent in the Championship, get relatively good crowds. I was well supported for a town. I think the average gates we were getting maybe were 15,000 and you know, like it's, it's a it's a mining town and um, it's, it's one of those where if you support Barnsley, you're all in. Like you're, you know, that's your that's your team and um, they really look forward to a Saturday afternoon. So um, I mean, just I still live here, so. Um, I know what it means to people and um, it's just one of those clubs that it's the first club that I'll look for after a game um, when I come in the dressing room after a game it's the first score that I'll look for In terms of characters you played with there mentioned Big Gaz earlier on but you played with I think Meadow was at a club at a time weren't he and the guy Frimpong it was at Arsenal what were they like? <laughs> um, Meadow great big guy just came in he was overweight um, I was straight on him. I was straight on him straight away, and uh, he never lasted long. I don't think he played many games. He tried to shift his weight and stuff. But the thing about me though was he was he was like a, a prince back in Egypt, so he didn't really need the money. I think he just tried to get one last crack to see if he could if he could play, but he just couldn't move. Bless him. But what a guy, nice guy. From Tom, wow, never met a guy like that in my life. He um, was just so deluded, it was unreal. <laughs> um, it was mad. Like, just, just little things in training. You do a circle before training starts and stuff, and he, he can't keep the ball. Can't play. It was just mad. Um, he thought so highly of himself as well. And to be fair, like when you see... like I've seen games where like, he's played in, in the Champions League for Arsenal and stuff, and he, he, he was a good player. And you're playing against top teams in the Champions League and he's done well and it's like well why did you not bring that and I don't know I think maybe you don't know what's going on like outside of football sometimes with some people but wow he thought highly of himself but again as an individual he was, he was quite a good laugh as well and we always get a good laugh at him You played with a couple of guys that are doing well in the Premier League John Stones Chris Wood and Danny Drinkwater what were they like to play with? Um, Stonesy was just a grafter. Like he would, um, good kid. He would always listen to people when they were giving them advice. Um, a local lad who wasn't to be in the first team. Um, he was just just one of those kids. So you could you could always tell he was he was going to go higher. Um, drink water came in from Man United on loan. Done really well for us, and I think he came to the January, and that's from Leicester bottom. And we were gutted that he went because he was doing really well for us. Um, but Drinky was a, a top player. But there was a lot of, lot of players that came through there. We came through the doors at Barnsley at that time that went on to do really well. Chris Wood, Jacob Butterfield, uh, Baz Tay, Kieran Trippier. Um, you know, there was a lot, a lot of top players that, that, that sort of came and had good loan spells or had short, short spells before going on to bigger and better things. So... Played with some good players over the years. Two guys I want to ask you about who are both for Liverpool. John Rooney was was he any good or was he absolutely passion just there because he's brother? Who's that? John Rooney. 
Do you know what wasn't on there? Sorry. Um, the other one I wanted to ask you about was Dale Jennings, who obviously we all know because he went to Bayern Munich. Ah, Jennings was a good player. Like, he's technically really good. He just went to Germany too young and never played a lot of football. And I think, I think historically, most Scousers are sort of homebirds anyway and they like being at home. And I think that sort of took its toll on him. So he came in and done really well. He just one of those lads who was, he just, he didn't know really how to live his life and never really had anybody to help him, like, with cooking and, and stuff like that. And he, him and his missus, like, they were, they were both still really young and he didn't know how to, like, keep himself in good shape. But technically, as a player, he, he was a, he was a top player, like, and, um, Bless him, he's still a lot of issues in that, like off the pitch and stuff since since his time at Barnsley. And, um, you know, it's actually good recently to see him back in the game, no matter like, what level it is. Cause he, he's actually he's a nice, he was a nice kid. Um, but I, a top player, who maybe should have done a bit more, I think. Somebody I want to ask you about, because you're a big Celtic fan, see when Paddy McCourt came to the club, was, were you buzzing? I will. Just when I was... Um, Paddy just came to Celtic just when I was I went back for pre-season and I was two in the reserves so I, I knew Paddy sort of anyway and I, I knew the sort of player he was and I'd obviously following Celtic I'd seen some of the goals he'd scored and um, we were with, with mutual friends in that as well so I knew Paddy and um, I, it, was, it was good to see him come in the door and Paddy would just come in and no bothered about the gym or anything like that. Lads are saying, oh, we've got a gym at 10 o'clock. I, mean, nah, I, don't, I don't do gym sessions. And he just wasn't me, me half. That's just his character. He wasn't bothered until he went at the training pitch. And then he was, he was unbelievable. Some of the stuff I've seen through a ball was, was ridiculous. Um, and there's, a, there's a clip somewhere the goalie scored against Middlesbrough at home. And he goes by like six players, four scorers. See, he was doing stuff like that every day. Do you know what I mean? So... Um, but I, Paddy, great guy, and it was it was good to see him coming in the doors at uh, Barnsley. Danny Wilson being at Barnsley was that the main reason you chose to leave at the end of that season? Aye, it was. I I didn't want to leave. I loved my time at the club, and obviously we got relegated and stuff. And um, I think I spoke to Danny Wilson, and the feeling I got was like if he signed. Uh, great but if you don't then we're not really that arsed and that was enough for me really um, when I had Stephen Presley on the phone and he was dying to get me in um, and so I, I, I made the I made the decision to go but I mean looking back um, I, 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 won't, I wouldn't say I regret I don't regret regretting football and that whatever but uh, I probably shouldn't have left because I Barnsley's my club now do you know what I mean so probably shouldn't have left in that respect but at the same time I went on to play for like Coventry is a massive club and, and, and he obviously going captain and was, was a big thing for me as well so um, I, it was a bit disappointing the way that I did leave but it's just one of those things in football You join Coventry as you say Stephen Presley's your manager what was he like because I know obviously Simon Ferry and I like to call him the daddy what was he like Nah, well, he used to call himself a daddy. So I'd, I'd knew, I knew Stephen Presley when he was a player. I was, I was when I got trained about the first team, and 
when he came in at Celtic and stuff like that. So I hadn't, I hadn't known him for a, as a player. And, and then when he rang me, he was just, he just asked me what my situation was. And I just said, are you interested? And he said, I, I am very interested. And just that was it. That was, that was how simple the chat went. And he wanted me down and... Um, Wanted me down to look at the training ground and stuff like that and and, and have a chat and end up throwing a, a mad fitness run on me, which was a fucking lung buster. Um had no food, I'd not I didn't even know I was doing it. I ended up doing a medical that day and it's like fucking hell just got thrown on my toes. I was only good in for a chat, but I liked his fitness work, good coach, very intense, um and and a great guy. And he's somebody I speak to like every now and again, I don't know. Once a year, maybe I'll, I'll drop my text or whatever. But uh, he's a good coach, and I think he's maybe been unlucky in terms of the couple of the, the jobs he's had. Because I think he'll, uh, I think he'll do well once he gets the right fit. You played with a fellow, fellow kind of old fun development player in John Fleck. Are you see when you played with John Fleck, how good was he? And are you surprised at how he's managed to get himself back to the very top? No surprise at all. Flecky was just Flecky's one of those players who just goes about his work. Um I think a lot of it went unnoticed a lot of the time. Um but I we knew training him every day, he was a top player and um it's great to see him doing so well now, he's absolutely flying. Um he's one that he's one of them that just sort of shows that he's stick stick by doing the right things and believing in yourself and you can get back to the top and he's, he's, he found a good fit in Sheffield United and obviously that's uh, that's lifted into unbelievable heights Presley ends up leaving the club and he's replaced by Tony Mowbray were you looking forward to Mowbray coming in? I thought well, I didn't really know much about him apart from he'd been Celtic and whatever and um, I'd obviously known the Tony Mowbray I knew was was the Tony Mowbray that played for Celtic when I was a boy, do you know what I mean? So for that sort of aspect, it was, it was good. And it was, uh, but just it's just a case of new managers come in, you just need to impress and, and, uh, and do what you can do. I was I was disappointed when Stephen left because he'd obviously made me captain and stuff like that halfway through the season. Um, and he'd, he'd done well for me and, and, and little, little things like that. But, it's just you've just got to move on quickly and, and Tony Mowbray came in and as a guy bit strange didn't really know how to like handle maybe louder players but as a coach I thought he was um, he's, he's one of the best I've worked with in terms of his intensity and the, and the amount of detail he gets into when he's uh, getting ready for a game and his uh, analysis and stuff like that and his coaching sessions were good Um the messages were always clear and clever and the way he set his team up. Sometimes it was a bit boring because we'd be 11 v 11 on a Tuesday and we'd be, like, we'd probably know the team on a Tuesday when sometimes that can go against you. Um, if you're, uh, obviously, if you're knowing that team um, for the rest of the week. But we, um, we knew our jobs come a Saturday and we, we, to be fair, we started flying that year. One of the players that came in at your time at Coventry, a, a massive name in the world of football, and obviously a pundit now, Joe Cole. What was Joe Cole like at that age when he came in? Was he did he still clearly have brilliant technical ability, even though he was a lot older? 
I think it took him a few weeks to get up to speed in terms of his fitness and that, but when we're doing the games and stuff like that, he, he, technically it was unbelievable. Like, just some of the stuff he was doing, you could see how he played at the top. And to be fair, from day one as well, when he came in, he was just a humble guy, chatting away, there was no, no ego or nothing about him. So that sort of helped him fit in um, pretty quickly. I mean, he was... He was, uh, I think he was still living in London at the time, and he was, his dad would drive him to training, pick him up in his uh, Mercedes, no, his Viano, one of the people carriers, but he had a little kit he'd in the back, so he'd jump in there at six in the morning, his dad would drive him to training, he'd get changed in there, come into training, and then jump in the car and go back to London, but as a guy and a player, um, just one of those guys you can't really speak highly enough of, do you know what I mean? There's some of the stuff he was doing. Uh, but aye, again, just his, I think just his fitness work and if he'd had another, maybe another year as well at Cov, um, I think he would have went on again and he would have been great for the club. You mentioned that season with Mowbray flying in the league, finish eighth. What was that season like and what was it like to also play alongside the young James Madison? Aye, well, Maddle sort of broke on the season the end to the, towards the end of the season before we were struggling that was um, when Mulder came in Maddo started training with us and stuff and started like, sort of getting um, just dipped in here and there and, and Maddo's done really well uh, come back to pre-season and uh, he just sort of kicked on um, but I uh, told, told him he'd done well I think for, for, for Maddo he knew how to handle him and uh, he was just just dipped him in and took him at the team at the right times and, and stuff like that. Um, but I, he, he, um, he used to practice his free kicks and all that all the time. He was just out this love playing football. Um, but in terms of that season, it was a bit, it was a bit frustrating for me. The formation we used to play, um, we had like seven players who could play three positions. Uh, fit into three positions in the team um, so coming in and out the team all the time adding those back to Barnes we've been in and out the team you could get a man of the match on the Saturday and um, you know you're, you're not playing on the Tuesday or you're not playing the following week you'd be sitting on the bench for two games and thinking you get back in and you're not and I just say like, I want to go on loan I want to sort of get back up towards um, my missus at the time and I just did that I just had my little boy so I wasn't spending time in a hotel to sit on the bench on the Saturday, so it was just a case of, no, I'm, I'm going, like, um, and, uh, yeah, so disappointing end to my Coventry career, but it was one that, it was a club that I loved playing for as well. In terms of Coventry, see, the club obviously has its problems behind the scenes and stuff, but do you reflect very highly on your time at the club in terms of playing at the Rico when, when you had the chance to? I loved it. We, um, because when I first signed, we were playing, we were still playing at Northampton's ground, and that was one thing I kept messaging Stephen Presley about over the summer. When are we, are we going back? Are we getting back? Um, I think we start, we started the season at Northampton, and then when we did get back, I think the first game, twenty eight thousand, um, in the Rico for our first game back there, and it was a League One game, twenty eight thousand people. It was mad. Um, luckily enough, we got the win as well. So. Uh, I to play to play in that stadium was, was brilliant, especially when the especially when things were going well and that. 
Um, and it's, it's somewhat abounds in terms of the way that I feel about it. It's not the club I grew up supporting, but it's it's, it's one club that I look for and um, I'll, always, I'll always find quite special. When you leave Coventry and you go to Shrewsbury, it's a move that you sign a two-year deal, but it wasn't a... a maybe I'm, I'm judging it wrongly from outside looking in, but it didn't appear to be your happiest time. No, I mean, I did we cop in that. Um, met some, some great people at Shrewsbury, but I'd, um, when I'd went on loan to Scunthorpe for Coventry, I, um, I, I ripped my groin off the bone um, towards the end of the season, so I was struggling. Um, I'd never played the last, I don't know, the last 10 games or whatever of the season. So uh, then I was at a contract and I was I was struggling for offers. And the only offer really I had was, was maybe go back to Scotland, um, which I didn't really want to do because I had a young family in that. So I was really struggling for offers, but I'd worked with Mickey Mellon at uh, Barnsley. He was flicker assistant at Barnsley, so I knew him well. And he was buzzing to try and get me in. So when the opportunity came up to go to Shrewsbury, then uh, I had no problems, no problems going to work with Mickey. And like I say, I worked, I worked with some with some good players, and and I met loads of good people. With, um, so it wasn't all bad, and you know, actually done okay for them. Uh, again, it, it ended up Mickey just circumstance with Mickey leaving. Mickey just had a chance to go back to Tranmere, and it was closer to his home, and. It worked out better for him, so he just took the decision to leave. I think before he was sacked, um, and then Hurstie came in and good coach, good guy, and he just, he just didn't fancy me. It was just one of those things. But I was older then, so I knew it was just an opinion. If somebody wasn't having you, it was just a case of right, okay, I'll go somewhere else and I'll move on. And um, that was that was just the case there at Shrewsbury. Or obviously, I would have probably seen my two years at. You mentioned the fact, obviously, with your family that coming back to Scotland wasn't necessarily something you were too keen to do. So how the hell did you end up playing for Ross County in Dingwall? Well, it was just a case of right, getting out of Shrewsbury. And uh, I'd played with Jim McIntyre. Um, I'd played with Jim at Dunfermline, so I knew him well. And uh, our families know each other and stuff. And he just gave us a ring and he says, do you fancy coming up? And I said, look, it's probably going to be a loan move because Shrewsbury are not going to pay me my money and I'm not going anywhere if, like, if they don't pay me to go. And he, he says, look, that, that works out good for us because we can obviously have a look at you and whatever and you do well and then there might be something for you here in the summer and it's suited both of So, um, I, to be fair, they've done everything to get me up there. They, they put me up in a nice, nice uh, flat and... Uh, they paid for flights so if I had to come back or if, if uh, my ex was bringing the wee man up or whatever and, and stuff like that so uh, they've they done a lot and always throughout my career that, that was one thing that, that I liked about people and when they, when they sort of made it an effort to get you even if it wasn't what you were looking for it was being wanted in that and, um, and that, to be fair that Ross County dressing that was a good dressing to walk into in terms of Ross County, I must say, I've interviewed a few people that have played for the club, Brian Graham, the current co-manager, Stephen Ferguson, and everybody I've spoken to about Ross County seems to say that they really enjoy their time there. What was your time at Ross County like? Because people forget, obviously, you scored in your debut. Oh, I forgot about that. Ah, yeah. Um, it was, 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 it was
I'm great. The thing was about Ross. The thing is about Ross King. Up there, there's, there's you're, you're just there. You can't really go anywhere because it's just so far up. Um, so once you're up there, you're up there, and we had a good dressing room because all the lads lived lived local. So you always had something to do. You always had somebody to go for a coffee with, or it's time for me. You could go for a pint or a night out or whatever. There was always somebody about. So that that sort of went a long way to the dress in the dressing room and stuff. And um, I looking back, like it was just tough being away from my wee boy. But um, for me, it was just a short term fix initially. It was a short term thing. That got up there, and the, the bonus structure was good. And they'd done everything to get me. And I knew I was going to dressing room, but I knew a few of the lads, so it would have been quicker to settle in. And I was going to have a chance, or a better chance of playing. So that's why I went, really, um, even though it was so far. But I walking in that dressing room was, was brilliant. In terms of yourself, you mentioned the fact you were a bit older and you'd changed. Had Michael Gardine changed when you went back? No, I still was there. <laughs> I only came... When, they, when we were in the youth team and stuff, we obviously talking back stories and that now, but Nidgey and stuff, like, when we were younger... Wasn't really close with him, but I got I got close with him when I went uh, when I went to Ross County. Obviously, it was easy because we knew each other and whatever, and um, that helped us sort of settle in. But I got quite close with Midgey with my time up there, and um, to be fair, he's been up there a long, long time now. And I don't know how he does it, but it's, uh, I, he's exactly the same as he was when he was sixteen. So just mental. Um, just, just constantly on, like, like I was saying earlier, like just every day or something new, something random, just, just, just a laugh a minute to be fair. How does Jim McIntyre deal with that? Does he encourage that sort of camaraderie in the dressing room? Well, I, he knew what he was like, and I think once you get older as well, you just obviously your manager's your boss, but he's just a person as well, and I've got that sort of relationship. I sort of felt that because I'd played with Jim as well, so there's no there's no real thing of oh shit here comes the manager and like stand up straight and fucking take your hands out your pockets. Not it's more like that, you know what I mean? Just you just you're, you're both there to do a job, and I think he just knew how to do with Midge and just let him uh, let him go and um, keep the lads entertained really. And, and I it worked it worked really well, and it's it's a good changes, but. Again, when I went back in the end, it didn't work. It didn't work out well, and for Jim. But um, again, the dressing, the dressing room was, was great to walk into. In terms of the move to Bradford after Ross County, was that just getting closer to home back in England? I would. Um, I got really there's a theme here. Relegations probably a theme of this podcast. You can stick that on me. Um, my pal called me because I've had that man, many managers to sack but um, <laughs> we got relegated and uh, I wanted to get back down the road I was I was struggling uh, mentally to get back um, missing my wee boy and stuff so I came back down and I was just a case of waiting for the right club um, I didn't want to be travelling anymore I wanted to see him regular and, um, so I had to wait I had to wait until September I ended up going to Bradford and what a club that is. Um, Sleeping Giant is uh, the only sort of term that brings to mind there. 
Uh, that was a great opportunity, and I went in and, and I'd done really well. So um, I was a bit disappointed when I when I left Bradford, but it was obviously for obviously for the best. So, what was David Hopkin like? Because obviously he was at Bradford at that time. I well, to be fair, he'd only been in a week, and I'd been speaking to the head of recruitment, and he was a he was assistant manager at the time, um, and then. I think one of the lads got injured on the Friday, so I got a text on the Friday evening saying, look, there might be an opportunity if you come in and train on Monday. Um, we'll have a look at you. I was, I know, boy, that's great. And then on the Saturday, another midfielder done their hamstring. So that was definitely a chance for me. Um, so I was in on the Monday, trained Monday, Tuesday. We'd done shape on the Tuesday, and I was in the team for the Saturday, and they hadn't even... Offered me a contract yet, so I was like, that's a bit fucking surreal, like, right? you know what I mean? Um, it was a case of, I'm, I'm looking like I'm going to be starting on Saturday, and we've not even spoke about a contract yet, so that happened pretty fast, all sorted on the Wednesday. But I liked working with David. Um, his messages were simple, and uh, I'd like to think I'd done all right for him, and even though he had a tough time there, um, but he was a good, he's, a, he's a good coach, and he's flying at Morton at the minute. And, I think he'll, he'll go again and, and get another move. In terms of Bradford, David Hopkin had said that he wanted you to stay, he offered you a deal, but you were looking for something a wee bit longer term. Is that what ultimately led you to Notts County? I will, I mean, it was, uh, you know, people here and obviously in the media and stuff like that, it was a bit, uh, they offered me a deal to the end of the season, but they offered me a contract until the May. And I, I, the thing was, I'd went in and I'd done well and I was good about the place and stuff. I think five games in, I pulled my hamstring, so I was out for, I was out for like two months, which wasn't the ideal, but he pulled me and said, look, once you get back fit, get back in the team, I'm going to sort your contract out for you. And I was buzzing and I'd already had a chat with him about, like, I'd seen, I'd seen myself sort of ending my career at Bradford, so I'd want a, maybe a two-year deal. But when the time came... The contract that the club offered me was until May, and that's like that's not the way normal contracts run. Contracts run until June, and you get July's wage as well. So I basically said to him, "Look, if you turn around in, in May and say you don't want to sign me on a new deal for next season, then I'm fucked basically because nobody's going to sign a player in May." Um, but I think his, his hands are tied in terms of. The, the club had sort of spunked the budget earlier in the season and um, I think he sort of he just he, he couldn't offer me anything, anything longer so and again back to the old being wanted thing as well Notts County were sort of battered in the door and constantly constantly onto my agent um, trying to get me in day to day really to see how things were going and if there was any change and whatever um, I'd, I'd, no, I'd no problems going to to Notts County because they'd offered me a longer term deal so yeah, that wasn't a problem In terms of Notts County it's a historic club it's one of the oldest clubs and well it's the oldest club in the world what's it like to play for Notts County because although they've been through a kind of tough spell in terms of the division they're in and obviously with relegation it's it's still it's still a club that's got a lot of respect in football Aye it's brilliant and it's it's steeped in history do you know what I mean it's it's one of the places you go in, you walk into and you can sort of feel the history and about the place and that. Um, I, I went in at a tough time. Um, 
I mean, it, as a club, it was probably too big for League Two, and we ended up going down. Do you know what I mean? Which was unfortunate. And we just started to hit a little bit of a, get into our stride, and the manager was getting his message across, and because uh, he'd come in, I think he'd come in in the November, December time. So the January transfer window, he managed to get a few players in, and um, he was starting to get his message across. And I think if the season had just maybe continued another month or so, we'd have been okay. But I really disappointed. Again, <laughs> again, there's your uh, there's your theme of the night, the relegation, <laughs> end up going down and into the national league. But because of the club and um, because of the welcome that I'd been given, and obviously the club sort of showing a bit of faith in me as I'm getting older to give me a longer term deal. I had no problems in staying and um I, I still love it. And I still love going into training every day and um, it's a good place to go and work. So um I mean the setup the, the setup's um the club's better than some of the SPL clubs. So for that point of view it's 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 hard sometimes trying to um let people up the road know what it's like. Do you know what I mean? They they just see National League and and that's that. But in terms of early, league, they're probably a, a bit of a giant. Like, um, but I great club, and I, like I say, I enjoy going to work every day and have a good laugh and enjoy enjoy uh, enjoy still playing. What's not? What's it like? Sorry, in the national league, is it is it a really rough and physical type league? No, I mean it, it's it's more dissimilar to league two. To be fair, um, there's a lot of good players. Some clubs are part time and. They've got good players playing for them because the the money they're earning at their job and the sweetener with the well obviously they're, they're playing football part time and they earn more money than as if they went into a like a, a league two or some league one clubs they're earning more money playing part time so the standard the standard um, is good it's better than I thought it's more as it's more of Route 1 as I thought. I mean, you come up against teams who will go Route 1 and, and, and launch it, but um, in terms of in terms of the standard, it's been, a, it's been a pleasant surprise, to be honest. In terms of yourself, Jim, you mentioned the fact you're enjoying your football. You've, you've had an experience of clubs in England, clubs in Scotland. What are you hoping to achieve in the last few years of your career? Is it just a case of being happy and enjoying your football or are you are you still ambitious enough to think get a promotion get back to League 2 and, and continue to play as high as you can well aye that is I mean when I when I first came back down the road it was just a case of I want to be near my son and obviously that's that's the main thing for me but yeah this season's been going really well with a slow start because we had new owners and a lot of new lads coming in we never had a great pre-season um, with the uncertainty of the club, but we're flying and just obviously the way things are now with the world, it's it's no ideal because we're up to third. We're in the semi-final of, of the FA Trophy, so two chances at Wembley this season and the fact it's taken away from us now, it's it's going to be a gutter really because we, we fancy ourselves to um, probably go up through the playoffs without sounding arrogant. Um, so I even just for somebody um, at 32 who's never played at Wembley to have two chances to play at Wembley this season and it's like it's taken away from you um, for something with your control it's going to be a bit disappointing um, but of course um, I want to play as high as possible um, but for me I'd rather be settled at a, a 
club that I I know is a big club with history, and uh, rather than go to a, a smaller club in stature in League Two, um, I think uh, the club I'm at now really suits me. It's a good fit, and, and, and I love it. So I don't see myself going anywhere else really. So if I was going to play higher up, then it's going to be through through getting promotions. Well, as I say, I hope that the situation evens itself out and you can get those chances at Wembley because, as I say, it's a, a terrible situation we find ourselves in and I'd just like to finish with around a quick fire of questions, Jim. First of all, who's the best players you've played with? Best players or player? Um, you, you decide. Um, Magidi Nakamura. Um, unbelievable talents. Um, I go for them too. Best you've played against? Played against my, my debut for the family against Barry Ferguson. Um, nobody could get me in. I thought he was brilliant, but I'll go for David Silva. We played Man City in the Cup. Oh, what an answer. Uh, the FA Cup. So uh, he, he was just a different level. Who's been the best manager of your career and why? Uh, I'll go for oh, Craig Brown. Just because he's my management skills and how he can make you feel, and uh, just a, a manager you have to play for. But I mean, I played for a lot of good coaches as well, so but I'll just go for Craig for that for that reason. As a when I was a young player, most underrated player you've played with? Underrated player? Oh, fucking hell! Uh, not me, that's a thinker. Oh, I go for uh, Luke Steele, goalkeeper at Barnsley, good friend of mine, um, top goalkeeper. Maybe not that underrated. Cause he ended up going to Panathinaikos, but um, I think maybe Steele could have done um, more, uh, but higher up, maybe in the Premier or whatever. Um, so I'll go for him. Last question: If you could play for any manager in modern football now, who would it be and why? Got to be Guardiola, isn't it? Um, Guardiola, Klopp, just the way they, just the way they get their teams playing for them. They play great football. They, they're free flowing. The, the shape that they play, and everybody knows their job, and they just seem like two managers that you would just want to play for, just for the the characters out there. Um, so it's got to be one of those two. I know you asked for one, but I, I can't decide. Brilliant, great answer Jim, it's been a pleasure Thanks for joining me in the podcast No problem, thanks very much mate So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave